You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. morning. I do see a lot of new faces, so I'll introduce myself. One, when I'll just say we're super glad that you're here. My name is Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown, and we like to be a church that welcomes everyone no matter where they are spiritually. So again, I trust that you've already met some really warm, uh, nice people. Really fun to see you guys, and I'll do my other, also uh, second or third, the idea of sign up for the, the fall retreat. Students, you guys will really love it, and Josh and our college ministry is awesome, and hope that you guys would make time to do that next weekend. I uh, want to kind of catch you up, too, on what we're doing with the series. We're, we're continuing a series right now on, on how we grow. We've been asking the question, like, how do we actually grow spiritually? Or kind of the Christian word for that or phrase for that is spiritual formation. Like, how are we, how are we formed? What, what things really help us grow, particularly grow to be more and more Christ-like? And so we've been looking at this over these last couple of weeks. and want to give you just a, because there are some new faces, and it just helps get reminded of where we've been. I want to kind of remind you. In week number one, our main focus was we talked about that Jesus' first call, his invitation to come follow me, was really an invitation to come be like him. Like that's what rabbis did. They would call people to say, hey, come follow me, and I'm going to make you like me. And so that's the goal of spiritual formation is ultimately we become more and more like Christ. That's what we talked about in week one. Week two, we talked about, well, how can that happen? How is it possible for us who put our faith in Jesus to actually become more like him? How does God do this work of transformation within us? And we said it's impossible except by the power of the Spirit, that we can't be transformed unless we're changed by the power of the Spirit. Specifically, we looked that week at John chapter 15 and Jesus' metaphor that he used of a grapevine, that we as the branches need to be rooted to the vine, and when we're rooted to the vine, that's where God's power can be released and the change can happen within us. And then week three, we kind of took a step back and didn't necessarily talk directly about like how we grow, but we actually looked at this illustration that you see up here. We said that there's all these forces, what we called for, uh, formational forces, that just as much as we're wanting Christ to form us, we've also got these forces of the world that are coming down upon us, and what, we don't necessarily think of it this way, but it's true that what's happening is those forces are actually spiritually forming us too. And so part of the way we need to look at spiritual growth is how are we being formed into being like the world, or are we being formed into Christ? And specifically, these, these three forces that you see up there, the, the first one of false things that we believe. You might could say those would be lies. Second one, which we'll address today, unhealthy habits. You might say things that we do. And the third one, uh, negative relationships. You might say the people that you're with. And whether we believe it or not, we're all being formed in one way or the other. And we're suggesting, and this is kind of our, uh, you could say this is like our idea on how we grow spiritually. It's, 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 it's a super important. You've heard us talk about our vision that we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. We want to become more like Jesus so that Austin becomes more like heaven. And so this is kind of our grand uh, vision series that says, well, how are we going to do that together? And we talked last week about the way we do it is by fighting these forces. And so specifically today, we're going to talk about uh, the forces of negative habits or unhealthy habits. And so let's take a second just to think about what are some of those in our day and age. I'd like to start with this premise. Whether you know it or not, our behavior, the things that we do spiritually form us. Our habits, whether good or bad, we shape our hearts and our minds, making us become more like the world or making us become more like Jesus. Our habits help us in one of those two ways. They're forming us. They're either tearing us away from the vine, the source of spiritual life, or they're rooting us to the vine, the source of spiritual life. 
And because we've got this force of the world coming down upon us, and our, gain, our aim is to see ourselves transformed, and we want to overcome these habits that keep us, we have to ask this question. This is a question I want us to kind of think about. I hope this is the one thing that you'd walk away with. The question is, what are the things that you're doing doing to you? I'm going to be really annoying and actually ask us to all repeat that. So if you're willing, you don't have to, but if you will, let's say that together. What are the things you're doing doing to you? That's probably terribly grammatic. I didn't know if you're supposed to throw that, paw, that comma in there or what. It makes no sense to me, but how do you have two doings? But humor me one more time. Let's do it again. Ready? What are the things you're doing doing to you? I think that's the question I want you to walk, walk away with because I'm going to try to argue that no matter where you're at, the things that you're doing are forming you. The question is, are they forming you into the image of Christ or are they forming you into the ways of the world? Because the things that we do with our time, the things that we do with our bodies are the things that shape us. And we know that in this digital age, we are all bombarded with opportunities, aren't we? We're like the busiest generation because we have so many things that we can do and so many things that can occupy our time. And often it's those things that we find ourselves caught in doing, those unhealthy habits that not some of them are, are the actual things that tear us from the vine and deroot us. Some of them, at the very least, to be generous, aren't necessarily morally wrong or right. They're just morally neutral, but they take us away from the time that could be given to rooting ourselves in the vine. In our day and age in 2022 environment, we have no end to many things, right? We've got no end to our Netflix options, no end to podcasts. We've got no end to YouTube video cycles that keep feeding us. We've got no end to the news cycle. We've got no end to political outrage. No end to following celebrity gossip stories. No end to day trading and trying to make a deal. Uh, no end to illicit websites that want our attention. No end to the workday. No end to leveling up on the video games that you're playing. No end to TikTok videos. No end to Instagram. You get the idea. There's no end to it. And those are the things, the unhealthy habits that are fighting against our spiritual formation in our day and age. That's the, the water that we swim in in Austin, Texas. I'm reminded of this question every day on Sunday, or every week on Sunday morning. Are you guys too? How many of you have iPhones? Do you get your Sunday morning report on your iPhone? Like, here's how much screen time you've had? It happens to me. I'm like, did the designers really aim to do it on Sunday, like right before church? Did they like invent it this way? Like, they're just trying to like get you guilty right away so you'll come to confession or something like that. It's, do you kind of cringe when you look at it? You're like, oh no, like I'm going to look at it. So we were sitting here in the meeting that we had, the family meeting before worship this morning, and sure enough, mine went off. And 10% down this week, probably because I was giving this sermon, so <laughs> you get the idea, right? Um, seriously, though, do you kind of cringe when you get that and wonder, like, is this good or bad? And I know that we use our phones for work, and they're very productive, and that we do use them for good things. I'm not saying that our phones are evil, but, but we have to watch the things that we're taking in because the things that we are doing are forming us, whether you believe it or not. And I started thinking, this would be terrible. What if, like, there was something like that for every area of your life? It's like every Sunday morning, you would get a screen report. You get like, here's how much time you spent playing video games. Here's how much t TV you watched. Here's how much you exercised or, or didn't. Here's how much you slept. Uh, here's how much time you spent looking at your finances. Here's how much time you spent studying. Here's how much time you spent sleeping. Here's how much time you spent working overtime. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> like if you had like <laughs> something sent to you every, every week with a report on all those things? Because we know we, we, we wrestle with it, Right? We know that the things that we're doing are, might be shaping us in a direction that doesn't just keep us attached to the vine, 
like we want when we make it our aim to follow Jesus and become more like him. I say all this just to say that the water that we're swimming in, in our day and age, that's the unhealthy habits that are coming down. Now, you could list a ton more, but today I'm talking specifically about time. And I think if we want to grow to be more like Jesus, we're going to need to develop healthy habits. We're going to need to learn to practice spiritual disciplines that keep us connected to the vine. We know this is true because Jesus modeled it for us. Remember when Jesus made his invitation, come, come and follow me, what he was saying was, come, come follow me so that I can help make you more like me. And one of the things that we, we often miss when we read the scriptures, particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're these biographies of Jesus' life. And so one of the things that he would say, like, come follow me, it's not just the things that he taught, it's the things that we look at his life. And his followers saw him doing things and thought, oh, I want to become like Jesus, I probably ought to do those things as well. And one of the things that we constantly see in Jesus' life, though in a different era, busy as well, was that he was constantly stepping away to spend time with God, constantly doing something with the spiritual disciplines that he could get time with his Father, and even in his humanity had to be rooted to the vine in his humanity. So he sought that. In fact, let's look at just the way the, the Gospel of Luke in particular, all the Gospels actually, these biographies tell about Jesus sneaking away to be with his Father, but particularly the Gospel of Luke. I'm just going to read these one by one here, and you'll see it's almost in every chapter of the first half. Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was hungry. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? About eight days later, Jesus said this. He took Peter, John, and James with him, and they went up to the mountain to pray. And then one day, finally, when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. Do you get a pattern? Pretty clear, right? In this biography of Jesus, in fact, I've, I've joked that if I was uh, able to write like a subtitle for Luke, my, my, my subtitle would be Luke, Things Jesus Did Between Prayer Meetings. That's just really, I mean, it's, you just read it and you just see just going from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer and just doing miracles in between. That's how he sought to have his relationship with God and he practiced these disciplines. And if we as Jesus followers, the first thing that we need to look to is look to his life. Look to what he did. And those are the things that we too need to practice. He got up early and prayed. We see he spent the night praying. He, he had a solitary place that he went. He had a private place that he went. He went up to the mountain. He asked others to come up with him to the mountain. So much so that these, his followers that want to become like him are seeing this again and again in his life that they actually approach him in Luke chapter 11 and say, hey, teach us how to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was following Jesus back then, I think I probably would have done like, teach me the walk on water thing. Like, <laughs> maybe the, the water to wine thing would be fantastic, and I could see how that could be useful. But no, one of the rare times that they actually ask him to teach them something, that they looked at his life and they saw him constantly going away to be with the Father being rooted to the vine. And they just looked at it and said, man, we want to learn how to do that. It was one way that Jesus practiced his spiritual disciplines. It kept him connected to the Father. And like I said, in his humanity, he was just like you and me. Jesus being fully God but fully human, but in his humanity, he had to be rooted to the Father. And that's why I got time away with God all the time. If you read the Gospels as biographies, you look at Jesus' life, and if you want to become like him, you're going to start to do the things that he did. 
I came to faith in high school, and, and one of the guys that was really instrumental in my kind of coming to faith was this uh, uh, traveling uh, teacher named Jacob Aranza. He used to teach at the youth group conferences that I would go to multiple times a year, and I just loved him. I just thought, man, I want to be like this guy. And so I, one, one of the conferences, I actually got some time set aside to, uh, with him, and I said, hey, what do, you, what do you do? Like, how do you grow, and how do you, in my case, I was like asking him, like, how do you become a good teacher? And he said, read biographies. He said, read biographies of godly men and women, and then just do what they did. And I started doing that. I did that through some of high school and into college, just reading about different people. And one thing that was common, they're all different circumstances, different parts of life, different parts of the world. Didn't matter. The one thing that they all did is they all had a vibrant devotional life, spending so much time with the Father, with the Spirit, with Jesus, constantly. In fact, you could look at them and actually say very concretely, they could not become more Christ-like unless they spent time with Jesus. Their devotional lives were what motivated me to think, I want to grow to be like that. I quickly learned that not a single person can grow in Christ-likeness without being vibrant in their devotional life. If we want to become more like Jesus, we need to practice the things that he did, the spiritual disciplines. We just looked at prayer there, but we had to look at reading and scripture memory and, and temple worship and fasting and solitude and silence and Sabbath. If we want to become like him, we need to do the things that Jesus did. It's one of the ways that we fight against the unhealthy habits of the world. And for centuries, people have looked to Jesus and tried to implement his practices. So much so that when the Apostle Paul, he famously said, well, follow me as I follow Christ. Like he said, I'm trying to model, I'm trying to do what Christ did, and I want you to try to follow me and do what I did. And it was Paul who wrote the passage that Aiden read for us today. And he talked about the spiritual discipline, about being disciplined in his life and with his time. I'll read it again for us. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Not everyone who competes in the games, now everyone, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We don't believe that the uh, subtitles that were written in some of our Bibles were uh, inspired by God, but I do think it in it's interesting that the NIV scholars, they chose the title here, The Need for Self-Discipline, and that's what they titled this, that there was a, something about Paul that said, I'm going to discipline my life so that I can be closer to God, so I can bear fruit, so that I can bear fruit to my ministry, and he describes it as strict training, and you know, at that time, everyone knew the Olympics. I guess I'd read this week that they actually started happening in 776 B.C., and so when he's writing the Corinthians, they know what it was like to come in and compete in the games. And he's saying, look, if you really want to follow Jesus and become like him, you need to start training. It's a word we don't use very often, do we, like in the Christian circles, like spiritual disciplines. Maybe a better word would just be strict training. Like I'm going to train myself, much in the same way we train ourselves in any other activity that we're a part of. Part of growing is discipline to say, hey, I'm gonna, if I want to become more like Christ, then I need to start doing the things that he did and discipline myself to do so. We know this to be true in other areas of life, right? Like, like we've got Tom and Dixon here who have run multiple marathons. They didn't just wake up one day and run a marathon, did they? No, they, they had a, a, a training pattern, and they had to follow it to a T for months and months and months. We know this when it comes to, to Sander. Where's Sander? He didn't just wake up and become like a PhD-level tuba player. Many, many, many hours uncertain that he was, he was tuba-ing. Yep, Right? Or where's Katie Goodfellow? We've got, we've got a, a, a forming doctor here in med school. She just, she's not going to become a doctor tomorrow. 
She's got like a dozen more years <laughs> to go because she's put herself, you know, under tutelage of other people and she's going to go strict training. Lots of hours, lots of time, lots of work. Y'all know that we have a professional video game player here in Caleb. Caleb Richard didn't become like the king of Rocket League. He'd actually do it professionally without hours and hours and hours and sleepless nights playing, I'm sure, right? <laughs> May have had it, maybe been a bad example, but not exactly. If you can make money at it. But for real, like we know this in every other area of our life, right? Like if, if you really want to get good at something, you're, you're going to pay the work. You're going to do the work. You're going to go to strict training and say, if this is where I want to be, these are the things I need to set aside time to do. And at the expense of other things that are taking your time, right? Other things that are vying for your time, other things that are taking your attention. If you want to become more like Jesus, you're going to start doing the things that Jesus did and putting aside other things in your life. This is God's God-given way for us to stay connected to the vine so that we can produce spiritual life within us. So let me take us back to the question then. What are the things you're doing doing for you? What are the things that you're doing doing for you? What I want for us this morning is I want us to believe, to truly believe that by practicing the way of Jesus and these spiritual disciplines, they will result in our lives being changed. But I also want you to understand that there are other forces in the world that are vying for your time and attention and they too will shape you. They too will shape you. You're being a spiritually formed at all times. But the very best way to break habits is to start new ones, what we'll call spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines like prayer, meditation, scripture reading, fasting, solitude, silence, worship, Sabbath. These are the means for us to stay rooted and grow spiritually. These are the means... And they're really the only way that we can grow spiritually. In another letter that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Colossians church in, in chapter 3 of Colossians, he's actually doing this whole thing about how you need to put off your old self and, and put on your new self. It's, it's all about how you get spiritually formed and how you can grow past these certain areas and grow into Christ-likeness in these other areas. But he starts it this way. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, Paul knew that, that there's a battle going on for our minds and for our hearts. And it's a battle between the earthly things and the spiritual things. And so he's recommending to this church, like, what you guys need to do is you need to regularly set your mind on Christ. Set your hearts on him. Spend time looking to him so that you will not be pulled back down by earthly things. We're being spiritually formed. It's by who and by how. Where are you looking? It's wild that enough that Jesus' biographies and the, and the disciples uh, lived this way and wrote about these passages this way, where now we actually have some science that proves it, like science of habits. It's like a, a brand new study. And um, I will say that I'm not a scientist. Um, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I can Google. And I Googled and read some articles about the habits and the way that they're formed. And Katie's going to back me up on this, and she's our doctor in the house. But... This part I'm actually going to read so that I don't mess it up. Uh, neuroplasty. <laughs> that means that our brains can change over time. Our sensory nervous system is always monitoring our actions that we take. And they deliver that hit of dopamine, the brain's reward chemical. We're wired to seek pleasure, and when our brains recognize pleasure patterns, they store it away in a part of our brain called the basal uh, ganglia, uh, where we develop emotions and memories. This is what was wild, though. This is not the part of our brain where we make conscious decisions but rather unconscious ones, which is why habits are so hard to break. 
And so the article I read, they called it the, the habit loop. And they said this, scientists have proven through co cognitive behavioral therapy that we can retrain our brains by paying attention to our feelings, practicing new habits when they're and practicing new habits when they're stimulating. If we stop the bad habit loop by taking on a new habit, enough times we eventually develop a brand new habit. So we don't have to rely on the science. It's just interesting that's there. We rely on the practices of Jesus, and he's the one that we want to follow and those who follow him. But it is interesting to know that that's the case. I have a somewhat not relatable, not perfect metaphor il illustration that's happened to me over the last month. I'm going to admit it. It's terrible. I chew my fingernails. I have since I was like a kid. Like, it drives my parents crazy, drives my wife crazy. Happy birthday, Brenda. 9-11 also is Brenda's birthday, so make sure, be sure to say happy birthday. But chewing your nails, kind of gross, right? But I've just done it for so long. Well, well about, uh, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, that a couple months ago, a part of my tooth fell out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dang it. And so uh, my friend is actually a, a dentist. My other dentist had retired, so I ended up having to go to my dentist and be like, okay, how do we do it? And so he, he actually fixed it by putting like this little crown on it. But now I cannot feel my nails when I chew it. And it's like really hard for me to chew my nails. And so it just feels weird. So I'm actually going to cut my nails today for the first time in like decades. <laughs> yeah, something to be proud of. Yeah, sure. So um, I always said that I was actually working on my antibodies. I was just, that's why I'm so healthy. I've got lots of antibodies. <clears throat> we'll have to test that theory now. Hopefully I can stay on, but I can tell you it was something, it, it took something really so weird, like this tooth, that I, it just feels different. So now when I do it, I recognize that I'm doing it. Before, it was completely unconscious. I'd be chewing it, and Brenda would be like, why are you chewing your nails? I was like, I didn't know I was, I'm sorry. But now I know it. Like I feel it, I'm like, dude, that feels weird. Oh, stop. That's what happens when we replace a habit with another one. Silly illustration for sure, but what would happen if we learned to practice spiritual disciplines the next time that we were bored or tempted or angry or feel fearful or, or tired? I think over time, we'd change our brains. We'd form a new habit. What would happen if we started adding new habits into our day and pushing back against the unhealthy ones that fight against our spiritual formation into Christ-likeness, the ones that keep us away from the vine? What if we developed new habits New ones that help us become more like Jesus. What are the things that you're doing, doing to you? If one of those things that we're doing include prayer, meditation, scripture reading, silence, solitude, study, fasting, Sabbath, worship, I think they're going to make us more Christ-like. I want you guys to believe that. That's how God has set it up for us. One discipline that I actually personally enjoy that hasn't been hard for me is uh, journaling. I told you all before, I've got like journals back from 1988. And uh, every five or ten years, um, what I'll do is I'll just go back and reread them. Often I'll look at it and be like, oh, man, I'm still the same person. That stinks. But often you look at it and you say, oh, wow, I've really grown a lot there. I thought it was fitting that I'm reading from, uh, this would be 2005, November of 2005. Um, and I wrote this. I feel like I'm having a mini revival. I've been recommitting myself to personally praying. praying. I'm back to having a daily list of people to pray for, and it's really changed me. I'm amazed at the subtleties of our soul. How can a little prayer, a little memorization, a little fasting, a little quiet time, a little quiet, and worship really change me? But it does. I've also found it true that when I don't do those things, I'm more prone to lust and all kinds of other things that ruin my soul. It's crazy, really. We're just so fragile. We're so spiritual. Fitting that God would have me read that uh, this week back from 2005, but it's true. It was true back then, it's true all the way back to Jesus, that these things that we do, they will form us and help us become more Christ-like 
when we give ourselves to them. We've used this quote several times um, throughout the series, but the quote is that without God, we cannot, but without us, he will not. So when you think about strict training, when you think about being disciplined like an athlete would be, that's the, you know, without God, we cannot, but without us, he won't. Like, we've got to train ourselves. We've got to, to put away the unhealthy habits and get ourselves time with God to be rooted uh, with him. That's what I would actually define if I was to say what this means, is the, the fact that, that a great spirit, definition of spiritual disciplines would be that which gives us access to the Holy Spirit, the means by which we get access through the Holy Spirit. That's what I would define as spiritual disciplines. And if you remember, just going back again in Sermon 1 in this series, we said the goal is to become like Christ. In Sermon 2, we said you can't do that by yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, so you have to be rooted to the vine. And so what I'm saying now in this sermon series is the way that you get rooted to the vine is through the spiritual disciplines. Just to be safe, I'll quote Dallas Willard instead. <clears throat> he said this, the disciplines are activities of the mind, body, purposely undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is, strictly speaking, beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself. What are the things that you're doing, doing for you? What are the things you're doing, doing for you? Doing the spiritual disciplines will help you become more like Jesus because it's your access point to the Holy Spirit's power, keeping you connected to the vine. We put that slide back up again. Just want to talk about these. Remember, first one we said that there are these three worldly formations. If I was to summarize my sermon here, so that's what I'm saying here. I wanted first to show you that there were these, these uh, forces that are coming down against us one of which is the unhealthy habits. And I wanted to reiterate that we are being formed. We are being formed whether you know it or not. You're either being formed to be more like the world or more like Christ. It depends on your habits. Second thing I wanted to show you was that Jesus practiced these spiritual disciplines. And if we really do want to become like more like him, then we're going to start to do the things that he did. And that was that he would constantly get away to be rooted to his father. And third, I wanted to convince you that spiritual disciplines are the access point to the Holy Spirit, that that's where you can go into strict training, train yourself to be able to hear from God and stay connected to Him, and that will change who you become. So think long and hard about the question, what are the things that you're doing doing to you? Are they producing spiritual fruit like love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Are they producing something else? That's the question I want you to walk home with. But I want to get a little bit practical here, because I know we didn't want to go into this sermon like doing an entire, here are the disciplines, or here's how you should do it. But I want to just give you some tips on what it, what it comes to, and uh, some tips that I think would be helpful when it, in regard to practicing spiritual disciplines so that you don't go about it the wrong way. The first one is this, that disciplines are a mean to an, means to an end. You always have to remind yourself of this, that your goal, what you're trying to do by practicing these disciplines is, is to, to fall more in love with Jesus and to become more like him. Like, if it gets twisted around, you can end up becoming a Pharisee and being very legalistic where now you're just doing these things to earn God's favor, you're doing these things to impress other people. You always have to keep in mind when you're practicing the disciplines, what is it that I'm really wanting here? I'm wanting to get close to God. I'm wanting to have him change my life. They're means to an ends. They're not the ends themselves. Secondly, it's about practice, not performance. We're really just trying to practice these things. And I encourage you just to try on different things and try them on, and it's okay if some of them don't really connect well. You're just, you're, you're just practicing these things. 
And you're not earning God's favor by doing them. You're not doing them so that God will love you. You're doing them in response to how God has loved you and your desire to know of his love and to experience his love. You're not performing. You're just trying to practice something. You're like an athlete that's setting aside some time to practice and do your drills. Third thing I'd say is uh, personalities and pathways. So we all have different personalities and pathways. We're all created different. We have different ways that we connect with God. And as you practice these spiritual disciplines, I'd urge you just to try different ones and try different ones on and see which ones are most meaningful to you, which ones you really feel like you're in touch with God, which ones you feel like you feel His Holy Spirit's presence in you. Practice them. One of the books that I really love is this book called uh, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. It talks about nine different pathways that people tend to have. Uh, there's the naturalists that they love God by being outdoors. There's the sensates, he calls. They love God through their senses. Traditionalists who love God through rituals and symbols and sacraments. There's the ascetics who love God by solitude and simplicity. Activists who love God through confrontation, standing against evil. Uh, caregivers who love God by loving others. Uh, enthusiasts, he calls them, who love God with mystery and celebration. Or contemplatives who love God through adoration. And ninth, intellectuals who love God with their mind. Now, this isn't like the definitive work on all the different pathways that there are. There could be many more, but the idea is just to say, like, practice these things and know that you each have different personalities and, and find the one that really works for you because of your temperament and who you are. Other thing I'd say is lifetime versus short-time practices. There are some things that need to be practiced over your life, like at all times, like the simplest of those being scripture reading and prayer. Like, those are fundamental. But then you can have seasons of your life where you practice those things in different ways and would encourage you to do so. There's going to be seasons of your life where you're going to need one practice more than the others. God's going to call you to a time of fasting or you're really going to practice trying to develop a Sabbath or you're going to need to break away for silence multiple times throughout the day or for a period of a week or so. Whatever the case would be, we all have different seasons of life. And sometimes you're going to think, do these things regularly throughout your life, but mix it up. And uh, exercise terminology is called muscle, muscle um, confusion. Like, it, it's a good exercise in muscle confusion where you, you change up your routine because when you change up your routine, your muscles get freaked out and they have to respond in different ways. It's the same thing with our walk with God, that we have some things that you can just practice for a lifetime and encourage you to, to throw in new things and practice. And this, by the way, is why we need each other. We like to learn from each other and see what someone else is doing and hear from them. This is why we invite you guys to be part of our Midtown communities because in our Midtown communities, that's where we're going to talk about how we start to practice some of these things together and learn from one another and have each other's accountability. If you're going to go into strict training, you might need a coach. <laughs> you might need a huddle leader or a group of peers that are going to help you train as well. Final thing that I'll say is that we should start small because it takes time. Disciplines take time to form us. And so you shouldn't have like an unrealistic expectation that you're going to read, you know, the book of Psalms in 150 days and your life's going to be radically different. <clears throat> That's not how a lot of strict training does. It takes work and time but trust that God is doing it. This is the means by which you can stay rooted in the vine, and it will change you over time. So give yourself both some grace, also just to start small. Don't just decide, like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do three hours a day with God, however it would be. But start small. Take some baby steps like you would in any other new thing that you're training to do. But take those steps that are formed by God instead of being formed by the world. So I'll ask one more time. What are the things that you're doing, doing for you? Let's do the things that give us access to the Holy Spirit so that we can become more like Christ. And as we become more like Christ, what happens? Austin becomes a lot more like heaven. 
Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.